this is objectively sane. This is a podcast focused on dating from one millennial to the other. Actually, this is for anyone of any age. I am a woman. I'm 34, living in Canada, young professional, trying to navigate dating right now. I am interested in men. Listeners might be interested in someone else. Whoever it may be, dating is so hard right now. This generation, the apps... The emotional unavailability, the options, the chase, the games, it's exhausting. And these men drive me crazy. So why is this called objectively sane? I'm telling you, they're driving me crazy. Well, the thing is, is I love giving advice to my friends. And when I'm looking at someone else's situation, I'm totally level-headed. I can see exactly what they should do and how they can do it. And I can see their worth and what they deserve. I'm objectively sane. I mean, can't we all relate to that? When we look at someone else's else's situation, it's so much easier to be level-headed. We're objectively sane. But subjectively, I'm a little bit insane. But I'm like that secret kind of insane, you know, where like my friends get the brunt of it and my obsessive, you know, reiteration of experiences. But the guys, they don't always see the crazy. And honestly, I don't know which way is even better, but that's who I am. This podcast is going to give you a little bit of both. You'll see both the objectively sane part when we talk about my friend's experience or hopefully listeners' experiences that I hope to have one day, but we'll also talk about my experiences. And even though I've grown so much in the past few years, you'll definitely see a little bit of that subjectively insane side. So why did I want to start this podcast? I was going through a really hard breakup two years ago. And to be honest, I'm still kind of going through it. Actually, I should say I've just come out of it. At that point, I was searching for anything that related to my experience. I wanted to hear stories of people that related to what I was going through. And I found some awesome YouTube videos. I found some great articles online, but I couldn't find a podcast that spoke to me in this regard. I haven't done a super extensive search, so there could be some great ones out there. And I hope that you will let me know what they are. But as of right now, I felt there was a need in the market for something like this. So here we go. I also want to note that I have no experience or education in psychiatry. I am in therapy, but I am not a therapist. I am speaking only from my own experiences about myself. If I'm ever giving advice, it is purely from my own experiences as any of your friends would. So for this first episode, I really want to give you a bit of history about my dating life, my relationship history, and where I am today. And I think this is super important because as the podcast goes on and we start analyzing situations I'm in or other people's situations, I think that you'll be able to kind of understand where I'm coming from if you know my history. It will make my perspective make more sense.
Now, I have had three major relationships in my life. There has been lots, and I mean lots, of dating in between. But today, we're just going to focus on the three major relationships because they are truly what shaped me in my dating life and who I am. And we'll save the dating ones for other funnier episodes. So looking back on these relationships, they were all different. They were different times in my life. They were different guys. They were different lengths, level of seriousness. But the one thing that was the same in every relationship was me. I lost myself in each and every one of these men. When they pulled away, I latched on so hard as if I was falling off a cliff and holding onto a rope for dear life. And I always stayed too long. The last relationship was sort of the catalyst, which forced me to understand myself better and my pattern. And that's where I am today. But it took me quite a bit of time to get there. So let's get into it, shall we? The first relationship, let's call him the first love. And this was a super special relationship for me. It started off as kind of like a movie type of love. We were friends for months until one night I passed out on his couch and as he was going into his bedroom, he turned to look at me and said, are you coming? My heart dropped. From there, we were together. We became best friends, lovers. We had the best time together. He went home earlier than me for Christmas. We were both from the same city and I remember him calling my dorm room every night from his mom's house and we would talk for hours. It was honestly the sweetest love. We even rented hotel rooms when we were both home so we could get away from our parents and really just be together. And it was honestly great. That first summer when we were together, so at this point we would have been together for about almost a year, he broke up with me one night, said he wasn't ready for a relationship. Now, this is a theme that's going to come up a lot because Unfortunately, this is something I've dealt with a lot, and I think we give guys way too much credit for saying this. I mean, not that it can't be true. That's not what I believe. But what I do believe do believe, is if a guy isn't ready for a relationship, then he needs to leave you the fuck alone, okay? It's the being not ready for a relationship but then still sticking around and leading you on for years, that's what I'm not okay with. So anyways, I, I divert. So he broke up with me that summer. And to be honest, I don't even remember what he said other than that he wasn't ready for a relationship. I don't even remember where I was when we had this conversation, which is so funny because at the time, mind you, this was like 15 years ago, I was devastated. And this is truly where my pattern begins. Because did I leave him? Did I say, fuck you? I deserve better than this? No, I stayed. Because for the next three to four years, I'm serious, guys, years, we continued to act as boyfriend and girlfriend without the title. And I allowed it. I loved him so much. And, you know, this wasn't like a booty call situation. He was there for me. We spent real time together. We went on trips. We hung out with each other's friends. It wasn't it wasn't not a relationship, 
but it wasn't the full committed relationship that I wanted. And I was so scared to lose him. That's all I could think about, all I knew how to understand. And so I stayed, even though I know now that I deserved better, that I deserved to stand up for myself and what I wanted. After university, he graduated a year earlier than me. He moved across the country. This was kind of a blessing in disguise, but we still were connected. I went to visit him, he came home, and it went on and on and on. My brother sadly passed away when I was 26 years old and he came home to be with me. I will say that while that is a beautiful, gracious thing, he did not need to come home. One night, I don't know why, called a gut feeling or a girl just being a crazy girl. And sorry, I'll try not to use the word crazy because I don't think girls are crazy. I think that guys or girls or whomever it is that you're in an intimate relationship with can make us just feel a little bit outside of ourselves. So I looked at his phone and there was messages with some girl that seemed like they were dating quite seriously. So I asked him about it and he didn't deny it. And we got into a huge fight and I was heartbroken. And mind you, I'm already heartbroken. I've just lost my brother. I was devastated and I didn't talk to him again for a couple years. Now we're still connected and, you know, there is another part to the story that I'll touch on in a moment, but that was really the end. But you see how the pattern begins. He pulled away and he continued to pull away for years, but I could not take a step back and really think about the fact that I would be okay without him. And because of that, I settled for way less than I deserved. So after that officially ended, I had a couple fun single years, and then I met number two. Let's call him the friend. So we dated for about a year, and he was not a good boyfriend. Like, actually, he was a terrible boyfriend. Would stay up all night, or sorry, stay out all night. I heard him. I saw his text messages with other girls. It was honestly, it was a bad relationship. Too many stories, and I I honestly don't care to even recount them. One day he ended things with me. Why? Because I was, you know, acting insecure because he was pulling away. And that made me latch on to him, and that turned him off. So he broke up with me. After we broke up, I was in agony. All right, now cue the pattern. I didn't once think back on the relationship and why it wasn't working, what I didn't like. I needed him back. I needed him in my life. That was all I thought about. It was all I wanted. It was all ego. So what happened? I did get him back actually. And he was pretty good boyfriend in the end. And we were together for two years and we became quite serious, but we didn't have that thing. It's an indescribable thing, chemistry, whatever you want to call it, but we didn't have it. I had it with my first boyfriend and I had it with my last boyfriend, but this guy in the middle, we just didn't have it. And I stayed for two 
years until finally I realized I was not in love with him and I needed to be in love with the person I was with. And it was actually my first relationship that helped me realize this because while I falsely thought I was still in love with the university guy, what that did help me realize is that I know I've been in love before and this ain't it. So I broke up and that was the only time in my entire life that I've been relieved after a breakup. But my pattern and my inability to think about myself and what I deserve and look at a guy subjectively, or sorry, objectively, (laughs) made me stay in a relationship for three years that I knew deep down wasn't the right relationship for me. This was prime time, my late 20s. Who knows what could have happened, who I could have met at that time. I try not to play that game because it doesn't help anyone, but it's just interesting to think about how my own pattern has held me back. And one other thing before we get on to Mr. Number Three is that, as I mentioned, I thought I was still in love with number one when I was with number two. And he came home one time for a wedding and we spent the night together and I felt nothing. And this is just a lesson in understanding that your mind can play tricks on you. I was convinced I was still in love with him. I would idealize memories that we had together. I would miss him. And then when he was in front of me, when he was in bed with me, I was like, I don't have these feelings for you anymore. So that just goes to show you that your mind can truly make up a situation can make you think you have feelings that you don't have. You don't know until you're physically in that situation. So we need to try and not let our minds run away with us, even though, trust me, I know it's hard. It's literally my default setting and my favorite thing to do. So that brings me to number three, the avoidant, let's call him. I met him in a sort of funny way. He was the first, but certainly wasn't the last guy that you can say I picked up on social media. It's a little more complicated than that, but I'm not going to get into it. We had a fun little communication randomly for two years. I wasn't super interested. Then eventually we connected on Tinder and we're finally like, let's go have this drink once and for all. The funny thing is, I remember walking to the date. I was still obsessed with some other guy that I hadn't even had a relationship with. And I was like, I don't even want to do this which is so funny to think about now. When I met him, it was just off the charts, insane chemistry. He was handsome. He was driven. He was funny and he understood me. You know, when you dress a certain way or say something a certain way and you're looking for that specific reaction, he would always give me the reaction I wanted and I loved him for it. On our first date, I remember we were playing board games at one of those places and he leaned over reading the instructions and you could literally feel the electricity between us. It was magical. So before I go any further, I just want to note that this guy was 26 when I met him and I was 30. And I'm not saying four years. What a big difference. What I'm saying is that a 26-year-old guy who's a readily already emotionally immature, 26 party guy in Toronto, he's not looking for the type of commitment that I was looking for. And that played a huge part in our relationship. 
because on my end, he was Jewish. He knew my family. He was driven. He was a hard worker. He was perfect, but he was not at the same place in his life as I was. So everything was great to start. He was into me. I was into him. But this weird thing sort of happened where we would hang out consistently and it would always be just amazing. But then in between, I was always left wondering. I didn't hear from him much in between dates. Sometimes I was worried I wasn't going to hear from him again. He always kind of left me in an anxious state. And this is where I'll note that the reason I'm calling him the avoidant is because he has an avoidant attachment style and I have an anxious attachment style, which means that when relationships get closer, he pulls away. And as someone who's anxiously attached, when someone pulls away, I latch on harder. So you can imagine the turmoil and the incompatibility here. So after about four to five months, I was like, what's going on here? At this point, I'm thinking he's just going to be like, oh, die, you're my girlfriend, of course. No. He unleashes on me this entire history where every girlfriend has cheated on him, where he wasn't ready to be in a relationship in his last relationship, and he ended up not being a good boyfriend, and she told him that, and she cheated on him, and he can't trust anyone, and he's not ready for a relationship. I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of this. But I'm sure you can guess what happened based on my pattern. Yeah, we kept seeing each other. But you know what? Actually, nothing changed. He said he was going to try, but he didn't. So I said, I'm done. But then two weeks later, who reached out to him? I did. Again, the pattern, it's just so clear to me now. He was gone. And instead of taking those two weeks to really think about what I wanted in life and what he couldn't give me, all I could think about was missing him and wanting him back. So after these two weeks, he was feeling the same way and we did end up getting back together. And the relationship was good. It was as good as it could be with someone who is avoided and who is emotionally unavailable and who is 26. Eventually, he broke up with me after meeting my family at synagogue because it was too much for him. Can you believe this guy? Now you're thinking like, for sure she was like, fuck this guy, right? Nope. Remember the pattern? Of course not. For a year after that, we went back and forth in this cycle of no contact, reconnect, everything explodes. No contact, reconnect, everything explodes. It was constant. We wouldn't talk for a while. Someone would reach out. We would hang out for a bit. When I asked what was going on, everything would explode or he would do something shitty and I would get mad and he would say, I'm not ready for all of this. It was honestly so tumultuous and nearly fucking killed me. And this entire time, I truly believed that he loved me, that we were star-crossed lovers, you know, ripped apart by his emotional immaturity. And some of that is true. I do believe he cared about me a lot. But the constant not letting me go, telling me that I'm the only person he would want to be with if he was ready for a relationship, that was not fair for him to do. Because I held on to that more than I should have, I will admit, but I held on to it. And when I found out after the last time that he was seeing someone else, I was devastated. And mind you, this wouldn't be the last time. Because him and this person would break up for the exact same reason. Because 
She wanted him to be her boyfriend and he wasn't ready. And we would start connecting again and we would start seeing each other again. Can you imagine that this cycle goes on and on and on? After we stopped seeing each other for actually the last time now, I found out again that he was seeing this person again and I was devastated. This was about a year ago now and this was really the catalyst moment. I could not live in agony like this anymore. I was not happy. I was miserable. And the worst thing I ever did was figure out who this girl was. And I'm telling you right now, if I could go back in time to that moment, sleuthing through Instagram where I figured out who she was, I would go back and I would stop myself. I would cut off my fingers. <laughs> Never start stalking your ex ex's new girlfriend or your ex, but honestly, it's worse to stalk the ex-girl, the new girlfriend. Everything that I saw her do, I wondered, is she better than me? Why is she better than me? Why her? Why her? The funny thing is, is this logic is so flawed to think she's better than me. That's why she gets him. He's going to change. Well, first of all, he's not changing. That was proved to me when I found out they broke up for the same reason of me. That was proved to me when she continues to post as if she's not in a relationship, where it took her two years to post a selfie on her Instagram story of the two of them together, always hiding him, just a sign of an insecure relationship. I remember being scared to post him on social media, walking on eggshells, don't want to upset him. But the thing is, she's not better than me but she's maybe better for him. And that's where we get it wrong. When someone we love is with someone else and our heart is broken and we're rejected, we feel like that person is better than us, but they're not. But they might be better for that person. Everyone is different. Everyone has different attachment styles, different levels of independence, different needs and different wants in a relationship. And none of those things are good or bad. They're all just different and some complement each other better than others. So that's the flawed logic there. So that's it really. Coming to a close, I want to talk about the things that I've learned and where I am now because that last guy, that was the first time in my life that I felt true, true rejection and it fucking killed me. The first boyfriend, he moved across the country, right? I could always blame it on that. The second guy, well, I got him back, didn't I? Until I was ready to be done. So this guy, this was the first time that I felt truly rejected in my life. And it was so hard for me. But it was the catalyst. It forced me to figure out my shit. I'm in therapy now. I'm on medication for my anxiety. I work out every day. My relationships with my friends are stronger. My relationship with my family is stronger. I am so much happier. And even though I still miss him, I still do. I just know it is a fact that I am happier now. And what's funny about this is that I used to be devastated at the thought that he would be the one that I would learn from, you know? When you end things with a guy and someone says, well, you learned this and that. He said, I don't want this guy to be the one that I learn from. I want him to be the one, not the one I learn from. But honestly, I don't know if any other guy could have done this for me. 
because he caused me so much pain. And mind you, a lot of that pain was inflicted upon myself, but if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been forced to reflect on myself and to understand my pattern. You guys have just heard me explain every major relationship and the pattern is so clear. Every time someone pulls away, I latch on harder blindly without thinking about the relationship and thinking about what is actually and truly right for me and what I deserve. So I have been doing so much work on myself. So to end this first episode, I wanted to share with you five things that I think are super important. Number one, when someone pulls away, this is not a sign to latch on harder. I read a quote the other day that said, a red flag is not a challenge, it's a warning. And this really spoke to me. You deserve someone who puts in equal effort and who wants to be in a relationship. This is so important. My therapist asked me one time, if someone didn't want to have kids, would you stay in a relationship with them? And I said, absolutely not. That's a deal breaker. And she was like, how is this not a deal breaker? They're saying they don't want to be in a relationship. And I guess I thought to myself, well, but it doesn't seem real to me. Who doesn't want to be in a relationship? But that is also flawed because it's thinking about everyone through my own mind and my own wants. Everyone is different. And there are people out there that have an aversion to intimacy and that who truly don't want to be in a relationship at this moment in time. Number two, a pattern is yours and it is in yourself. It does not have to do with the guy. I'm not saying that these relationships weren't meaningful, that I don't care about these guys. I still do. But someone isn't more special because they cause you more pain. You know when you're like in agony over a guy and you're thinking to yourself, well, I must be in this much pain because he's the one, right? If he wasn't the perfect guy for me, why would I be in so much pain? No. First of all, if he was the right guy for you, he wouldn't be causing you so much pain. If you feel like you acted crazy and you're getting it he, and you're regretting it, he made you feel crazy. His actions and his incompatibility with you brought out a bad side of you. And it's your own pattern and your own thoughts that are causing the pain. Again, these guys were meaningful. They were important people in my life. But when I look back, the pattern is the same. I build them up and make them important. I make it seem like they are irreplaceable, but they are not. Number three, men do not change, okay? I mean, they may grow and they may evolve, but emotionally unavailable man is not going to change. There is a ton of married emotional unavailable men out there, but is that the type of relationship that you want? I don't think so. But the change thing, that was like my ultimate number one favorite thing to do to, to traumatize myself was that he changed. He must have changed. He must have changed. Why her? He changed for her. What I What is helpful to me when I'm in that is to actually think about myself. Look at the amount of work that I have done on myself. I'm in therapy. I'm on medication. I'm trying to write podcasts. I'm journaling. I'm working out. And I still and battling with my like default settings every day. It is not easy to change, even when someone is putting in the work and these men are not putting in the work. 
Number four, love is not always enough. Now, this one is so important because you can love someone with all your might. And when you're 21, maybe that is all that matters. But when you're in your mid-30s and you're looking for a partner, someone to build a family with, other things are so much more important. You could love someone with all your heart and they could just not be compatible for you. The way they approach intimacy is incompatible. The way they handle conflict is incompatible. It doesn't mean that you love them any less, but are they the right partner for you? Love isn't a determinant for that. And when this happens, it sucks. I know I loved my ex-boyfriend, my most recent boyfriend, and I, I really do believe that he loved me, but he was not the right person for me. And that is a hard pill to swallow, but I'm telling you, love is not always enough. It is a fact. And number five, and this one is super important, guys, never stalk your ex's new girlfriend. Say it with me. Never stalk your ex's new girlfriend. <laughs> you may never be able to stop. Like any addiction, it is, ooh, it's bad news bears, okay? So listen to me. Don't do it. All it does is make you feel bad about yourself for no reason. All it does is make you make up stories in your head, which honestly, I'm already making up stories in my head all the time. So I don't need any more fuel for that fire. And lastly, and most importantly, it keeps you connected to someone that sadly you are not connected to anymore and you have to let it go. And holding on to it through this weird online world is not helpful for you. So stay away and remember that social media is not an accurate depiction of what is going on in someone's life. So that's it. That's episode one. I hope you guys have a better understanding now of who I am, what I've been through. I think it will be helpful when I'm giving advice or talking about experiences to understand my pattern and, you know, what I've been through. I'm so excited to share more stories with you, share my journey with you. I want to give you all advice. I want to have my friends on. I think it's going to be a good time. So thank you for listening and stay sane, everyone. Okay.